Welcome to the Do You Believe podcast. We're back again. Since there's nothing better to do, we're going to talk about, by popular demand, by popular I mean one person, we're going to talk about Tartaria and the mud floats and global cataclysm. It's the music time. So Aaron had posted that he wanted to see this in an upcoming video and stuff. So uh, I looked it up and it is quite a rabbit hole, to be honest. I didn't think there was that much to it, but you guys, you'll find out as we talk about this. But first, um, let's see, some, some housekeeping. We now, the email now, if you have requests or comments or just want to say we're doing good or we're doing bad... It's dybpodcast at gmail.com. Send that. I'll check that at least before every show for sure. And then whenever I get the free time. Um, the website now is doyoubelievepodcast.wordpress.com. I'll mostly just use that to post the show notes. Um, I don't really plan to write articles or anything like that at this time. So... There's going to be a lot of stuff I'm going to want to link for this one. So if you guys go there, I'll link the stuff we're going to talk about today and for other future episodes and whatnot. Um, I want to talk about coronavirus. Just a quick update, some thoughts on some things. Um, one of them was how celebrities are like, it's almost like they want to get it so that they can put out videos and just, you know, Get, get the attention that they think they deserve. Found that kind of funny. Uh, one thing that's really frustrating, this is, again, it could be conspiracy related, but um, just how many of the big companies are already asking for bailouts, yet all the small businesses, at least in our town and the town over from us, it's tough luck, you know? We hit, you have to close for a week, that could put a lot of people out of business, and government doesn't give a damn, so they give it all to the big companies, like they need it. Honestly, they could actually survive, but these small businesses can't. That's just a little rant on that. Um, and, like, I saw, yeah, it's like a Twitter post of, like, just this giant line of cars lined up for testing. Well, Unless you have like a, If you're like a medical worker And you need to know If you have it or not That should be really The only people getting it But I don't know why Everyone and their mother Would want to go Do this Unless of course They want To me It seems like people Would want to have it So they can Just be like Oh look at me Man but I'm gonna survive But I got this You know that kind of thing um, I don't I don't think it's The other way around But yeah Maybe that's why people are getting tested so that they can brag about it. Or brag about not having it, I don't know. People are weird these days. But yeah. Alright, that's coronavirus update. Um, yeah. I have a little more free time because of quarantines and whatnot. So, I'm going to be putting out more episodes. So, we'll probably have a couple this week, for sure. And I'll have some guests on too. Um, I would have had guests on for this one, but there's just so much to it that, um, yeah, I'm just going to basically, you know, 
regurgitate everything I took in. It was basically yesterday I fell down this rabbit hole. But, and a little bit today, too. So without further ado, Tartaria, Mud Floods, and Global, global Cataclysm. I'm going to start with Tartaria. I don't know if anybody's heard of this. Or the Tartans, or Tartary, or Great Tartary. So the, the, long, the short story of this is that they're basically... They were a huge civilization that essentially has been covered up. Not entirely sure why, but yeah. So, where to start? If we look at old stuff, we're talking like early 20th and early 19th century. Um, there's reference to the Tartans or Tartaria or Tartary as its own nation um, if you look it up on Wikipedia now I believe it just says it's just the area kind of north of Mongolia kind of like the Siberia area they just said yeah that's Tartary it's just an area but it's actually a country so um, I watched several videos on this and they would just show old maps for one uh, listed it and it was it is where they said the land area was described but it wasn't a land area it was a people like it was a civilization um, and it was all uh, over there and then like some of the proof is uh, just the names on the maps but then also a lot of stuff will reference flags of the different countries and there were always one or the two one shows it's their yellow flags one with an owl on it one with like a griffin on it and that those it said tartary under it or nation of tartar that kind of thing so we know they existed and i remember even hearing about them in school I, vaguely i just the names sounded familiar to me i think currently they say the last remnants of the tartans live in hungary which is interesting because um, Hungarian, the language is so completely different than anything else around it in Europe. Like, nothing is even close to it. German's kind of weird like that, too. Like, Germany's got its own unique language. The rest, you've either got, like, the Eastern European Slavic-type languages, and then you've got, um, I don't even know what they're called, but, like, French, Spanish, Italian, they all kind of sound the same. English, too, for that matter. Um, but, yeah. So, I wanted to read something I found. Um, this is from a Freedom of Information Act document that was released by the CIA. It actually mentions this, and it kind of sheds some light briefly on why, why we don't hear about it anymore and kind of what happened. So, let me read that. It says this. Well, let us take the matter of history, which, along with religion, language, and literature, constitute the core of a people's cultural heritage. Here again, the communists have interfered in a shameless manner. For example, on the 9th of August, 1944, the Central Committee of the Communist Party, sitting in Moscow, issued a directive ordering the party's Tartar Provi Provincial Committee to proceed to a scientific revision of the history of Tartaria to liquidate serious shortcomings and mistakes of a nationalistic character committed by individual writers and historians in dealing with Tartar history. And it says, in other words, Tartar history was to be rewritten 
and let us be frank, was to be falsified in order to eliminate references to great Russia aggressions and to hide the facts of the real course of Tartar-Russian relations. So that's an actual document that acknowledges that it was a real place. Now there's a bunch of debate about, you know, where it was, how big was it, and that kind of thing. But yeah, this would make sense since it was, I mean, it said it's like northern Mongolia. That's a just giant chunk of Russia that, you know, nobody ever really hears about. Um, that that belonged to them for sure. And that if Russia was smaller at the time would have been, you know, at arms against them. And I guess after they kind of took over uh, during World War Two, it could have happened earlier. And reading this full document, it does seem like it happened earlier, like World War One, whenever the Bolsheviks took over. Um, basically, as like the communist types do, they make it sound so good that hey, we're we're for the people, we're for everyone, everyone can be free, everyone can have their own country, and we won't bother them, that kind of thing. And everybody was on on board with it. But then once you know uh, Lenin took over, then it was uh, it was game over after that. They work to silence any sort of, um, you know, aggression with other countries. People that just didn't fall in line. Yeah. Um, now, for the interesting part of Tartaria is it's believed that they were a huge civilization. Um, and, like, the largest the world's ever seen. Um, it's highly debated what time period all this took place. Um, but for the sake of this, um, the mud floods that tie in with this is that a lot of the, like, we've got some amazing looking architecture, like over in Europe, we even have some over here and in China as well, of just well-constructed, well-constructed, artistically beautiful buildings. And they all kind of look the same. There are slight variations here and there. Now, I, the, the thought is that it was actually, those all belong to the Tartans or Tartaria, um, that they had built those um, when they were at the height of their power. And the interesting part is how, what was the extent of their power? Um, and this is, this is where the fun part of the conspiracy begins is basically says all these awesome buildings and structures we have, especially like the easiest ones to point out are some of our government buildings that are built in that classical, we call it classical style, um, that the Tartans were in America a long time ago, like before Columbus, maybe even before the Indians. Um, and that sounds crazy at the moment, but when I get through with the mud floods and the global cataclysm stuff, it starts to seem a little more reasonable. Um, to sum that up briefly, I mean, right now, you know, we're, we're separated by, I mean, Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, that way, but then across the top, you've got Antarctica. Um, Antarctic, or sorry, just the North Pole. The North Pole may not, what it looks like now, may not have been what it looked like um, 
several hundred thousand years ago. Um, so looking into this with the mud flood things, uh, it can be, I've heard as short as 200 years ago that all this was the case two, three hundred years ago, and then I've seen some that are like several thousand years ago. Um, I'll talk about both. Um, they're both kind of plausible in my opinion, but uh, we'll see. Um, one fun thing to note, Genghis Khan was supposedly a Tartarian, and if you think of the Genghis Khan pictures that you've seen, he's like this Chinese guy. But if you go back to the even older pictures of him, it's actually not he's got red hair and he's got blue eyes um completely different than you know typical mongolians of what you would see now so and a lot of the cons were like this they weren't stereotypical like chinese uh looking um found that very fascinating because these cons and stuff if you look up their history they spread all over europe too conquering and whatnot because Genghis Khan is he's one of the the big names of conquerors but oddly enough we don't cover them as much as like Alexander the Great and like just the Roman Empire and all that stuff probably because it's more recent and maybe they want to not talk about that cover that up so that you know we forget um I'll briefly mention the there's one old map and I can't remember if it's the Mercator map or a different map Maybe Aaron can tell us, but it's it's a map of the North Pole that shows like a giant mountain in the middle, surrounded by a giant island, sort of cross-sected by two giant rivers or four rivers coming out from that mountain. It's on this map, but you know when we look at the Arctic now, it's just a giant ice sheet, or if you like, you look at like Google Earth or something, it's just all water. Um, the idea is that, no, maybe that wasn't there. Maybe this is tied to the mud flood idea and that um, the land was actually there. So it gets a little crazier, but I'll hold off on this for a little bit. But, you know, if that's the case, like, you don't have to go across the oceans to get to the Americas, right? You can just go over the top. Um, if there's land there, just walk straight. So the distance from, like, northern Siberia over to, like, upper North America like in the Canada range that's not that far um, in the grand scheme of things I know current current history or whatever you want to call it says that people came across like a land bridge that was uh, between Alaska and uh, eastern or eastern Russia that they just came over that way and then it went away when the ice caps melted and then that's where Native Americans came from, that kind of thing. So it's the same sort of idea, except instead of ice caps and land bridges and whatnot, it was, you know, across the Arctic. And it could have been, I don't know if it would have been frozen or if there was actual land uh, that connected everything, but we'll get into that, so... So the grand idea between with Tartaria is that all of the all of the buildings we see now that are fancy and classical built, you know, we always look at it and we say, hey, there's no way we could have made that. We, we can't make that stuff now. How did they make that, you know, years ago, years and years ago? And the, the thought is that it was part of the tar- 
Tartaria Empire. They came all the way down here. Um, and that uh, something happened. Mudblood's associated with that. Some sort of global-type catastrophe happened that either wiped them out or something like that. Then when you know Columbus comes over, um, there's still remnants of uh, people, Native Americans, which maybe were former Tartarians that just survived whatever cataclysm happened and um, just they didn't know how to rebuild so they just sort of you know took up hunter-gatherer type um, living styles Um, and then when Columbus came here there's all these buildings that were already here and that we just uh, took over them or if they were ruined just built on top of what was already there and we see that globally too um, uh, as we had done an episode a while back about ancient civilizations but like a lot of the Greek stuff was built on top of stuff that was already there like giant stones that like how could they possibly move that and even like the pyramids are at the very base of the pyramids are stones that are gigantic that appear to be much older than what was built on top of it and it's also the case in South America where, like in Peru, up in the in the mountains, they've got really smooth, strong, put together foundations of structures or buildings or whatever, and then you've got kind of crappy stuff built on top of it. So the idea is that this happened across the globe. So it's not insane to think that you know this could have happened in North America as well. Um, yeah, there's so much to it. Um, it's crazy. Um, we may even have to do a follow-up if you guys are fascinated enough to get more specifics. And I wish I had um, the ability to show um, pictures and stuff uh, to go along with this. I'll try and describe it, and I'll leave links uh, for you guys to look at yourself after the show and see what I'm talking about. Uh, but you'll get the idea pretty quickly. Um, but yeah. It is kind of funny. So, like, we always kind of ask, why don't we build things like we used to? And usually the excuse is just, oh, you know, it costs too much to make things that way. So we just make giant, ugly buildings now that are just basically squares. Uh, And honestly, now I just don't know why we don't build like that. When we get done with this, you might have an idea. But, all right, let's move on to what... The mud flood portion of this. So just me saying... Oh, before I forget, there's one thing I did want to mention. Some really old maps. I don't know if they are made by Columbus. They might have been. But one of those expeditions. Their maps have all these cities laid out. Like in North America. Already. They've got different names and stuff. But... Like, all the way, like, all down the East Coast, and then also up the West Coast, too, which is strange, right? So, based on our our history, if they settled on the Eastern Seaboard and put a few cities in there, that would make sense, yeah. But, like, it wasn't until, like, Western expansion way down our history that we would start to settle and make those West Coast cities. But the maps show cities already there. So, I, I find that very interesting. Um, and all of these places have these type of buildings that we assume were built by us back in the day and we just don't make things like that anymore. Um, 
but yeah, in this theory, you, and this is where I'll link to all these pictures, uh, where this comes in, is that a lot of these buildings look like, when you look at them, they just look funny, right? So if you look at the base, you've got like windows that are like right along the ground, or some are even like, looks like a window is like half buried in the ground. And it's very odd, and I don't know who would ever build a building that way. It seems ridiculous. But the idea is that they've just been covered by um, a bunch of mud and dirt and stuff that came from the mud floods. That's the theory. Um, and there's so many pictures of these that it's... At first, you know, you'll get one, and like I said, there's windows that are built close to the ground and it just looks weird so if you look like on stories above it it's like okay you got a big long window gap of about you know 10 feet then another big long window gap of 10 feet and then you got half a window stuck on the ground like it's just strange it looks like it's somebody just stuck it in the ground deeper than it was supposed to go um that's part of it and then another part is some of these when you look closely you'll see and this is ones that may have been damaged. You'll see a specific architectural style and spacing and proportions, and they look older. And then right on top, maybe the top story or a couple added to it just doesn't match. Like, it looks completely different. Some look like they tried to make it the same, just, you know, for consistency's sake. But still, you can see that it's slightly different and not quite the same. And then, for me, one of the biggest, the most interesting things is you can find pictures whenever they're going to dig, like there's a few pictures where they're digging a new, like, foundation for a building next to one of these. And when they start digging, they are uncovering more of the building. Now, from, like, the inside, you'd walk in and it'd be just look like a regular building and that, that has a basement. It's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But, like, when you look from the outside, it's, like, ornately designed all the way down to the bottom. I don't know why you would build fancy the fancy part of your building under the ground for a basement. So that's what makes me think it's not a basement, but it's easy to pass it off as that. And some of these are huge buildings, so you could easily just block off parts that go below just to avoid any issues or you can stick all your heating and cooling and sewer stuff down there um, and then no one has any business going down there but I've seen pictures of them digging away a foundation for a new building and you'll see it's just the building and then there's like a, a cutoff line it looks like a you know like a tide line almost like where um like at beaches and stuff where high tide is, you'll see it's just kind of nastier than the rest. There's like a clear-cut line, and then everything is clean. It looks like that. It comes down. It's totally clean until you get to ground level, and then all of it's dirty. But it looks like it was all built at the same time. Uh, it, wasn't it wasn't buried or anything. Uh, so the idea is that mud floods came and did some serious damage to the civilization. In this example, we're saying that it was Tartaria. Um, come through and bury these buildings. Um, 
So I'll leave a link to, there's a couple of videos of people talking through the things to look for um, in these type buildings that kind of make it look as if, yes, they were buried by something um, many years ago. I can't really think of any reason why. I mean, maybe if there was... I could see coastal cities, maybe if there was, like, bad hurricanes way back in the day that had done something. They'd have to be pretty bad hurricanes and flooding that it did bury these and it left a bunch of sediment behind and they're just like, ah, screw it, we'll just leave it. We'll just, you know, we'll build this door up here where this window used to be and that'll be the new entrance. Uh, maybe, but I feel like we'd know about that. Uh, but yeah. Um, okay. Now we're going to move into the... We're going to get even more crazier than that. So, to recap that, Tartaria was a global civilization, in theory, um, that also had places in North America. Some sort of cataclysm happened, and these mud floods, as they're called, um, came through, wiped out a lot of the people, damaged a lot of the buildings. Only the strongest structures survive, and uh, these are the ones that we see that are beautifully made. You've got them in Europe, too. Russia definitely in Russia, um, in North America, all over the place. Um, yeah. So next time you, I don't know where all you guys live, but, uh, go find the oldest buildings you can in your town and look for signs of these. Um, and it's kind of, it's uh, a lot of churches are like this too. So I don't know if, um, like religious people took these buildings as theirs and called them the churches or if they just built the churches as cool as they looked back then I don't know uh, but yeah look around your town if you're in the middle of the country I don't think there's a chance you're going to see a lot of these I could be wrong uh, but a lot of these are uh, coastal cities and the old ones too so if you live in Philly New York City San Francisco Los Angeles uh Keep an eye out for these. Um, anything that just, I don't know, any building you see that's like, wow, that's that's something else. Like, we don't we don't really say that nowadays about our own architecture. We can just be like, wow, that's a really tall building. Okay. But, yeah, these really well-designed things. Um, look for signs of this. Look for uh, windows that are halfway. It just looks like the building sunk. Look for that. And also look on top. Does the top section, does it look like they added something to it um, that's newer? And then, yeah, the rest of it's older. So, But it's well made because it's withstood. At least they'll tell us it was built by us maybe like 100 years ago. But like, if they're older than that, they are so well built. And we can see that with a lot of ancient stuff that's still around. It survives many things. All right, so buckle in now, because things are going to get a little crazy. So in my adventure in, in, into the rabbit hole about this, I found two CIA documents. One was the one I had already mentioned from. All it did is confirm that Tartaria was a real place. Didn't, it was, you know, obviously big enough that Russia wanted to hide it. Um, but that's all we can get from that. We don't really know how big it truly was. And because it's so long ago, it just... You don't know. Things get lost. 
in history. And then there's that phrase, history is written by the winners, too. So Russia won that, and they changed history to something that sounded better for themselves. That could happen anywhere, anytime. Especially if people didn't like the Tartans. I don't know if they did. I don't know if they were peaceful people or... Um, it's kind of funny they make out Genghis Khan and him to be like savages of sorts but if you look if you really look into it they weren't at all um, they, they were conquerors but they weren't you know what you imagine when you hear Genghis Khan but anyway the second thing I found uh, was it's a writing by a guy named Chan Thomas and it's it's something he wrote and it's called the story of Adam and Eve and you know when I first heard it I'm like why why does the CIA have this um, and I read through all of it and it was they only released 50 pages of there's like 200 something total I think and I was actually able to dig up the whole thing um, I'm guessing they released the part that you can read I'll have a link to it that you can read in there. It's most of the Adam and Eve story um, that you can read. Um, later on in the book, he seems to call out government and stuff like that. I'm guessing that's the stuff they kept um, kept under wraps because, you know, they don't like that. They don't like people criticizing them, so... I read the whole thing, and I'll link to it, and I, it's a fun read, regardless of what you think of this conspiracy. Um, it's just, it's really fun. So, I'll start on that. It's basically, he starts off this book by describing evidence of a cataclysm. Um... If you've read anything or listened to audiobooks of or watched the Joe Rogan with Graham Hancock, it sounds it sounds like something he would have written. Like it's just because he likes to think outside the box and he doesn't like to follow you know the mainstream science on history and geology and all this stuff. Um, and it's becoming more and more popular that there was some sort of global cataclysm at certain points in our history. Um, Graham Hancock talks a lot about one that was about eleven to 12,000 years ago. Uh, this guy even talked about that. So he walks through and describes these areas you can visit, um, like the Grand Canyon. There's places, the Badlands. There's all these places in North America, for example, where you can... There's just... The, the environment looks so different than anything else. Like Grand Canyon, you've got all this... Um, cutaway canyons that they say and I was taught in schools that this is just over years and years and years uh, the river, the Rio Grande or whatever carved this out um, but what these guys are saying and this guy in his book is saying no, like this could have only been caused by massive flows of water like all at once, like this wasn't gradual um it would have been something catastrophic. So he walks through, and there's a bunch more examples, um, but you guys will just have to read it. I don't do it justice describing it, but it's all these places where, yes, it looks like there was a ton of water, earthquakes, flooding, 
all this kind of stuff. Um, and he starts to draw parallels between that and a lot of like creation or flood stories from history. So the big ones that stick out are Noah's flood. Um, Gilgamesh has a story of a flood. The Egyptians have a story of a flood. And the Hindus have a story of a flood that all sound exactly the same. Um, so he's chasing down this idea. Um, so he, he starts to think. Uh, he focuses mainly in on the Bible side of, of this stuff. Um, before I get into the story part, I'll finish the kind of like the sciencey side of it. And what he's saying... So his, his theory behind what caused all of this is pole shifts, essentially. And I think people have heard about uh, the North and the South Pole are going to swap. What's going to happen? Like, that's been a thing that I'm sure you guys have heard about from scientists at random points. Um, now, with this, this is assuming this is not flat Earth related, uh, at least not this section of it. So this is Earth is a ball. Um, type thing and it's the beginning of the book kind of shows a cross section of the the earth that shows okay you've got your outside crust and then you've got outer mantle inner mantle and the core and all this stuff Um, there's a lot of scientific jargon and stuff that I can't put into simple terms and I can't describe it as well as he can that's why I say if you're really into this stuff go read it yourself Um, but it's kind of the way he describes it is You've got this molten uh, mantle that's right below the Earth's crust. And based on magnetism and, like, rotation, that it it doesn't act as a liquid. It acts as a solid. Now, I couldn't quite understand what he was trying to say, but hopefully somebody's a little more sciencey uh, than me that can understand what he's trying to say. And there's experience he did to kind of prove, like, things behave that way in a magnetic field. Um in his, but whenever so Earth has a giant magnetic field that kind of keeps that in place and everything running smoothly but if for some reason that magnetic field was to deteriorate in any way uh, it starts to loosen up and essentially like the outside crust of the Earth can just break free and just start spinning on its own or moving on its own um, and that's so kind of think like um, there's that old theory of continental drift or whatever that the continents are slowly moving apart think like that except very fast so what he is saying that if we did have a, a big enough disruption of the magnetic field and the poles did need to swap or change in any way that um, the the crust essentially would break free of the mantle section and just just move where it needs to move to line up the poles in a new fashion. And this happens over the course of hours. Like, this isn't, like, days. This is hours. For example, he's saying uh, the North Pole, for example, if there was a pole shift, this would shift down to the equator in a matter of hours or minutes. And that that, if you were to do that, if we're using basically the globe model, when that would happen, 
the earth is still spinning so the atmosphere and the oceans are still moving the direction that that they're spinning and but the the land itself would be moving in a different direction and because of that you would have winds that were thousands of miles an hour you would have insane flooding you would have huge earthquakes you would have parts of the mantle coming up from basically like you know volcanoes is where the lava comes up think that but on a huge scale like just giant chunks coming up um and that's kind of back to when you look at some of the places around the world like the Badlands and stuff, you'll just see giant juts of rock like popping up here and there um, and everywhere, like for no reason. Like what could have caused that? Like, you know, they kind of say like mountains slowly will just grow over time as the continents push together and that kind of thing or the plates push together. Like that, except extremely quick and very violent. Um, That's his thing. He thinks, okay, this could definitely happen. Um... And he did math trying to figure out, like, when all these things happen. Is this a cyclical thing? And he thinks it is, that these, uh, these pulse shifts happen at predictable intervals. Um, and each time around, it wipes out everything, and a few people are left, and they just have to figure out how to survive. So, tying that in with Tartaria and the mud floods, could that have been what caused them to disappear? Um, but we don't know how old the Tartarians are that's part of the problem so we don't know how old this stuff is so you would think if it was a couple hundred years that they were around that's how far back it was that we would have written records of this stuff you would think so maybe it's older and that's why we don't have any indication of any sort of cataclysm um I will mention we do have some sort of indirect writings about this sort of thing. Uh, There's something, I don't remember what it's called, but it's Plato wrote it, I believe. Or one of his followers wrote it, telling a story of his where he had talked to some ancient Egyptian, not ancient Egyptian, but some Egyptian priests at the time. They had said, yeah, that... This is where, like, Atlantis comes from, is that it had existed, and then there was uh, giant earthquakes, and it disappeared into the sea over the course of uh, a day, and it was gone. Um, Only if you survived. And he told this to... It wasn't Plato, it was Solon, or one of those great guys. So there is mention of the kind of stuff, too, in official history, not just, quote-unquote, myths and legends. But yeah... So, we'll come back to the science of it. Let's talk, I want to talk about the story because it's kind of fun. Um, he basically takes uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and kind of breaks it down into, ties it to cataclysms, essentially. Um, an interesting point that he made was that, so if you read Genesis 1, it's, basically the story of creation and in there it mentions that he made man and all the animals and all that stuff and then it starts in chapter 2 and in chapter 2 it says that it almost looks like it started over and he talks about making man and then the birds and then all, all the animals and all that stuff all over again and it's kind of strange like why restate all that stuff again 
Um, and of course, people like use that example of like, oh, see, there's like contradictions all over the Bible. That's why it's fake. But like, it's so old. Like, give him a break, guys. So his thought is that um, Genesis one is the story of creation itself um, by God, um, and that was he said. 4.5 billion years ago. I don't know where he got that number from. I just kind of glossed over that. But that's his estimate for of the initial creation. And that over the course of millions of years, you know, these cyclical cataclysms would wipe out everything. It would start over, wipe out everything, start over. Um, that kind of thing. Which, you know, that kind of fits in with, like, the modern idea of... Uh, what scientists say happened all this like dinosaurs existed millions of years ago and I guess the cataclysm wiped them out so um, we have if we look at fossils and stuff sure that could have happened um, and then he moves into Genesis 2 where it basically looks like it starts over and he says this is there's several sequences of cataclysms um, and that this this one is where the story begins with Adam and Eve. This was 11,500 years ago. This is around the same time that, you know, Graham Hancock is thinking that there was a, um, he says, a meteor strike and stuff that wiped out a bunch of civilizations and stuff. So this is right after that one in his, in his mind. And that's why it starts over with, um, God creating man and animals and all that stuff again. Um, so it's like Genesis 1, this is the actual first creation. Genesis 2, um, this is where the story of, you know, us or God's people begins with Adam and Eve right here. 11,500 years. Um, walks through and just says, like, it's... So we'll throw in this fun part of the story. So I had mentioned earlier the idea of there being land uh, in the North Pole. It's not there now. Yeah, there's, like, um, ice caps and stuff. But his idea is that if this was a pole shift type thing, that the this land that I was talking about that's on this map would have actually been in, um, like, around the equator zone, right? So it wasn't frozen. It was would have been actually a very nice place. Um and it's like, um, you know, if, if you think of like, if you imagine Eden in this way, it's basically a giant island with something in the middle. Um, there's debate on this, like, oh, it's a giant iron mountain. Maybe it used to be the tree of life, something like that. Um, on this island, and then the island is surrounded by mountains. So it's kind of isolated from itself. <laughs> so you can think like uh, Land Before Time, that's what it is. Yeah, the story about the dinosaurs that find the Great Valley, which is just basically Eden. Um, that it That's what it was, and that's where it was. And that when they... Um, his idea is that they got kicked out... Um, he makes some mention of cherubim with a flaming sword that guarding it. He he said it could have been like you know, giant uh, lava flows like coming up from the ground that was like 
blocking this off. He said something like maybe the um, the mantle had broken through and then like came up. It would look like fire and then it just sank the whole thing into the ocean or something like that. But that doesn't work as well for me. So this comes into the second um, second cataclysm. So Adam and Eve get kicked out. Um, he talks about kind of like his theory on what everything means and that about like the tree of knowledge of good and evil, good fruit, um, the serpent, all that stuff. He has his own theory on that. Uh, you guys can read that if you want, but it didn't interest me that much. Um, so they kick him out. Um, it is interesting in Genesis that there's mention of, there's like, uh, it seems like there's other people already on the planet. Uh, when they get out, um, for instance, after Cain kills Abel, uh, he basically gets sent away for his sin, and he's he complains to God that everybody's going to be out to kill him now because of what he did, and you know what other people like what is he talking about, um, you know, kind of that sort of thing. So if they get kicked out, there's people in here that are that have survived. Um, the cataclysms but they're not special they're not God's chosen people they're just um, maybe just closer to the creatures you know think like I don't know Neanderthals or whatever um, just slightly lesser right they're out there already and they've and it, and it may not even be that they're you know less civilized or less cultured it's just that they've just survived a um, a cataclysm and they're working their way rebuilding because um, you gotta think like if we had something like this happen you know what are the odds that like we have like an Elon Musk or a Tesla or somebody like that that actually manages to survive they're so few and far between that it would just be like you and me trying to rebuild like what are we gonna do like we have all this technology and now we have nothing you know it'd be difficult um yeah, and maybe that's what, you know, Nephilim is. It's just those survivors of the cataclysm, and maybe they do know better stuff and were able to jumpstart their civilization quicker. I don't know the timelines of, like, because, like, Babylon's, like, a big a big civilization in the Bible. I don't know how long they've been around. Were they before this, or were they after this, or at the same time? I don't know. Um, so that goes on, and then 6,500 years ago... Um, is Noah's flood. Um, and this again wipes out everybody except for Noah. And this the story is shared, like I said, with the other ones. Uh, um, I haven't read Gilgamesh fully and uh, I haven't read the Egyptian stories, which I need to. They, they sound pretty interesting. But it's kind of the same idea. They built a ark. Is what they all say that survived the flooding and the idea is that this flooding came from like a pole shift potentially because that's like the only way that from what we know science wise could have caused so much flooding so quickly right they like i remember in the kids movie of no i watched you know it just started raining a lot and then it flooded. Like, uh, that's harder to believe, right? And people, if it was just raining a lot, people could probably have time to be like, oh, maybe we should build a boat. 
Now, this was something that happened very quickly, and a pole shift in this guy's theory would have done that. Um, and maybe Noah's in the right spot. Um, it because there's some parts. If this is true, there's some parts that'll just be completely destroyed. Like even if you built a boat, it's just boom, you're gone. Um, but there's probably parts that are a little more safer. And he's probably in a safer spot. I, I don't know where. It, I don't know where it's at. And if this is a true thing, then I think the right now we've got. We assume the Middle East area is where all of this began. Like, that's where Eden was. It mentions four rivers. We've assigned it Tigris Euphrates and then two other ones I never remember the names of. So we think, oh, it was over there, according to the story. But if we take, like, this interesting look at it, it could have been basically the North Pole area that was down in the Middle Eastern zone at the time. Um, so... Adam and Eve probably didn't get too far away from that spot when they get kicked out, and that's where kind of Noah comes into play. And he builds his ark, and then um, pole shift happens, and let's say all of the earth moves underneath him. The water's kind of staying in the same place because that's how water behaves. If you move your hand under the water, it doesn't really do too much to the water above if it's deep enough. That... Um, the North Pole like the Eden place is now in the North Pole and when the waters recede as it says and he lands on Mount Ararat or whatever now he's in the Middle East because that's where it is now um, sure sounds plausible like it's interesting it's fun to think about I don't see anything that sounds insanely wrong about that um, but yeah so that's his idea. Genesis 1, original creation, billions of years ago. Uh, Genesis 2, it's the cataclysm right before Adam and Eve. Genesis 3, I think that's the one. I'd have to check, but Noah's story would be the next cataclysm. Um, so then, of course, people are running around yeah, asking him, like, yeah, well, when's the next cataclysm going to be? And he had some ideas. I think one of his was, like, maybe the year 2000, but, yeah, because it's convenient, but obviously that's not true. But he did say, like, it's, it's, it's not, he can't be that exact, but um, he has theories to why it would be somewhat consistent, though. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but... Something I was wanted to mention. Don't remember what it was. Oh yeah, I was gonna mention that. You can ask yourself, oh, when's the next cataclysm gonna happen? And start and freak out and panic. There is that interesting part of Genesis and Noah's story where after it happened. God made a promise and put the rainbow in the sky and said, this is a sign that this, I will never destroy all of human life with another flood. I take this to mean we're not going to see another cataclysm like that ever again until um, you get to the fun revelation stuff, but that could be another podcast. Anyway, so back to this guy's theories of things, like in the real world. Um... He seems to think that 
our solar system is um, going around the Milky Way or whatever, and that at certain there's a couple spots within this um, universe or galaxy, whatever scale we're looking at here, that there's essentially like magnetic dead zones, kind of. And I kind of a vision. I think it was Stranger Things season two or three where the magnets not working. It would be kind of like that. Um, and he thinks that's when a pole shift would happen. Everything, like the mantle and stuff, stays in place. How things are working because of the magnetic field. Uh, but once it starts to get disrupted by this null zone, is what he calls it, that it would start to make things shift um, and eventually lead to a pole shift, which would lead to this global-type cataclysm thing. Um, and, okay, that's interesting. Um but he ties it again to something in the Bible. So um, I can see why the CIA released this part like of the book, just because it sounds just like a crazy person's talking. So like, eh, we can release that, but we'll keep the stuff we didn't like. We'll keep that classified. But you can read the whole thing. I'll leave a link to it. Um, maybe even download it. Maybe print it off and save it. Because this book that it, he wrote... It, I don't, you can't find it anywhere. Like I don't know that it ever got published, or if it did, it's very few copies. Um, the person I found had a copy and scanned all the pages, so I'll share that to you guys. But like, you can't. I meant to look before this to see if uh, like the National Library had it or something, but I didn't get a chance to. Anyway, I'll leave it for you guys to read. But he mentions a science experiment that was very interesting. Um, they had done an experiment where they took two large like metal cylinders and they took mice, put them in there, um, gave them all the same food, same amount of space, same things to play on, all that stuff. Um, and they exposed one to a normal amount of magnetic... Uh, I can't remember the word. Like magnetic radiation? Magnetic something. They were in a magnetic field that was stronger. And the other one had less. Like, they messed with it so that it was less um, less magnetic field activity that they were exposed to. And in this experiment, the, the mice that were exposed to a lower magnetic field... Um, I wish I knew the word for it. Just lower magnetic radiation I'll call it that that's probably wrong but we'll call it this for this um, were more <laughs> he's they said behaved criminally which sounds kind of funny like it sounds like the mice were like robbing banks and stuff not like that but they were doing things that are you know as humans we consider to be like bad things so like the, the two things that they mentioned the most in the experiments was one was like forcible rape by the male mice on the female mice um, and this guy's describing his talk he, he didn't conduct this experiment he was talking with the scientist that did this experiment he's like can you really tell if it was forced or not they're mice right and like oh no you can tell so the ones exposed to lower magnetic um, magnetic field stuff um did that way more frequently than the other ones. I don't even know if the other ones did it at all. And then 
the the kind of key thing they do is cannibalism, right? So the mice exposed to the lower magnetic field radiation um, engaged in cannibalism, even though they didn't need to. They had plenty of food, and they did this. The mice exposed to normal magnetic field were normal. They didn't do anything out of the ordinary. They just find their own business, ate stuff, drank stuff, and that was it. So that's that is an interesting experiment. I thought he thought so too. Um, I didn't dig in to confirm that this was uh, done and replicated and peer reviewed and all that stuff, but um, maybe I could look into that later. But he ties it in with a common theme uh, throughout the Bible. And it's easily mentioned with Noah is that man became evil and thought of and did nothing but evil constantly is what it describes the world was before um, the flood. Um, and it do, does this in a couple other instances in history in the Bible that just things got worse and worse and worse um, and then something bad would happen. But maybe not to the scale of Noah's flood. Uh, but... Uh, so his thought is as the earth moves through the universe as it gets closer to this null zone which since everything's kind of orbiting and repeats that as it gets closer that the magnetic field of the earth starts to degrade over time um, and that like in the experiment he would say okay well then people just become more and more um what's the word I want to say sinners is a better word for it but just engage in activities that are you know evil essentially um, oh what is the word for that Ugh. they just become more and more immoral essentially um like Noah said they just got to a point where it was just pure, pure evil, pure debauchery, all that stuff. That happened. Cataclysm happened shortly after. Um, and so he ties this magnetic field to the behavior of people. And of course, you would say if we look at today, you know, as we progress, um, we essentially engage more and more in earthly pleasures we seek more out of that stuff and you can obviously see that in society but he's suggesting that it is because of a lower magnetic magnetic field on the earth because it is approaching the null zone that's going to swap the poles essentially is what he's saying so he's saying oh the stuff in the bible it sounds like oh okay they got real bad and then god got bad um, but he's saying, like, it's going to happen again because of it's cyclical in nature. Um, it happens every few thousand years. Um, so you would think we're a, we're a little past due based on um, the way things are going. Um, but yeah, I found that very interesting. Made me want to go maybe take a look at Revelation again. Maybe there's something useful in there that we're, we're not seeing. Um, so, tying that back to Tartaria and the mud floods, I feel like the mud floods, they're, they don't go back as far. They think it's I mean, a couple hundred years ago that these floods happened. 
Um, but my thought is that maybe they're even older than we think. Maybe they go back to Noah's time. Maybe there's another cataclysm that did happen that we missed. Maybe that's what started the Dark Ages. Uh, something like that. Uh, definitely worth thinking about. So, yeah. I want to know what your guys' thoughts are. If somebody is a little more well-versed in mud floods and whatnot, maybe could explain, okay, no, global cataclysm was a little too much for what we think happened. It was a lesser event. Um, that started like this um, and it wasn't as long ago um, one thing I forgot to mention in this idea of pole shifts is that um, we didn't ha- we don't have ice ages like we think so they used to say okay there was an ice age so long ago that all of North America was covered in ice and we say it's from expanding and contracting glaciers as the earth heats and cools as it goes about its business. This is saying, no, the reason it shows and looks like there was ice in North America is because North America was in the North Pole at the time because of pole shifts, um, that sort of thing. And then it shifted back down to where it is and melted, and that's why we've got, you know... There's, at least here in Kentucky, there's spots where you can find fossilized sea creatures and stuff. It's like, well, there was an ocean here? What? Now, mainstream science says, oh, yeah, during a particular hot part of um, the Earth's climate, that maybe every most of the ice had melted and flooded almost everything and then froze back up later on. But this kind of says, no, something different parts of the earth end up at the north and south poles during pole shifts and then those parts become frozen and then not and that's interesting because you know they find they're finding life beneath antarctica like there's evidence there's stuff living there or may have lived there at some time which in order for that to work in current science models that basically all the ice had to have been gone uh, at some point and then refroze over later on. Uh, so, yeah. What caused that? Who knows? Maybe it was a meteor. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, yeah. found that very interesting. So, um, you can tie in Atlantis with this too, that Atlantis was somewhere at some point, major city, but now it's underwater based on... Because it's almost like... <laughs> If these pole shifts are real, you just take the outside shell of the earth and just spin it around and it just like breaks everything and then the water's flying everywhere and then it stops and then all the waters settle where they're going to settle. And it may not be the same as it was. So if you've like you've got North America now spins up to the North Pole, um, it could stay at sea level or it could be sunk under the water. That's kind of a thought with like, you know, what if Eden's where the North Pole is now? Um, the idea that it it may have spun towards the top, but also sunk in and was completely covered in water now. So there may be a lot, there could be civilizations we have never heard of or never found any evidence of because it's completely underwater in a place that makes no sense. 
based on how we understand everything to have worked in terms of like climate change and um, moving uh, continental plates and all that stuff. Um, you know, maybe that's why Atlantis is such a interesting topic because we haven't found evidence of it. It could be out in the middle of the Pacific somewhere, deep, deep underwater. We'll never find it. So could be anywhere. Um, or it's in the Sahara Desert, like that Bright Insight YouTuber says. That's interesting, too. But yeah, so that is Tartaria Mud Floods and a whole bunch on global cataclysm. I'll leave links to um, this piece of writing. There's a lot of extra stuff in there, too, that I'm not mentioning, but it's a fun read. Um, I'll link that. I'll link the CIA link, too, to show that, you know, they're one and the same. It's just the other thing has the full download for you to read. Uh, but yeah, I want to know your guys' thoughts. Um, and I highly recommend just looking up uh, mud flood buildings or something like that on YouTube. Um, I'll link one that I was looking at. They're all good. It's just picture after picture of strange things with these buildings. Um, it could be, you know, from an ancient Tartarian civilization or a more modern Tartarian civilization that was, and there's just, um, there was flooding that we don't know about because, uh, you know, like the Europeans and stuff, they weren't over here yet. Um, and even like, uh, he had made mention of some Native Americans that he talked to have legends of flooding as well. Um, I also had something that said that there's, you've, I'm sure you've seen the pictures of the, there's like those cities kind of built into the wall, uh, like in Mexico, not Mexico, but like, you know, down there in the Southwest. And that some of the Indians kind of think like it was there already. Um, they just found it, but they left it alone because, you know, they kind of, they have like a saying that's like, you know, what, what, what's in the mountain belongs to the mountain. So they don't, they have reverence for Mother Earth and older civilization, so they didn't touch it. Uh, but yeah, I found that interesting. There's just, there's so much to this. Um, but yeah, give me your thoughts. Is this a more recent civilization, an ancient civilization? Are we full of crap? Is there a cataclysm coming? Um, did, is it interesting that this kind of lines up with the Bible? Is this guy crazy? Who knows? But yeah, that's all I got. Um, send your requests and comments to dybpodcast.gmail.com. I'll post the links to this at doyoubelievepodcast.wordpress.com after the show. And um, we have patreon.com slash do you believe. You got if we get enough, like I don't ever plan to put ads and stuff like that on the show. So it's strictly from you guys. So if you like it and you want me to spend more time digging into the stuff, putting out episodes more frequently, it throws some money my way. That makes me uh work on it more this one was different i just wanted to look into it because it was super fascinating but um yeah so maybe i could do something where you know if you donate five bucks you can put in your um episode request and i'll make it happen something like that but yeah so tell your friends about the show if you like it and we'll have some guests on later on this week to talk about things that um we haven't decided yet, so if you leave comments um, on show ideas, we'll probably do them because uh, 
yeah, we need some ideas. So, adios, everybody. Thank you.